five, four, three, two, one, go. You're listening to Rally DNA, and that was the voice of co-driver Jonathan Jackson counting us down to our next guest, Myron Evans, fresh from his drive to second in the Galway International Rally. How are you boys? You all right? All good. All good. Thanks for coming Very on. Very good, Myron. Good to Very be Very good, Myron. Thanks for joining us, mate. No, it's just nice to be on. Nice to be asked. I've got some big boots to fill up to the first episode as well, I'm told, so... <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah, you need a minimum two and a half hours of, of talking now to, to match up with that. <laughs> I'm on a five-minute phone call with Richard. It's ended up being two and a half hours, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, you're driving the car that he engineered. Surely that you should know all about it. <laughs> well, no, he still knows a lot more than I do about it, unsurprisingly. But, um, yeah, no, he's a, he's a good guy. Well. Thank you very much for joining us um, for the second episode, particularly as I'm sure it's been quite a, a hectic start to the week, given you must have only arrived back recently. Um, would you mind telling us a bit more about the Galway and, and how it went? Yeah, well, you know, I think the rally went pretty well for us. Obviously, as usual, it was a typical Galway. I know that gets thrown around a lot, that term, but it really was this year. Um, it was the first time I actually done it as a two-day rally. Um, I think we did it in 19 and 20. It was one day for both. Um, so, yeah, half of the stages were probably quite new to me, but um, yeah, it was good. Um, torrential rain the first day and probably a bit better for the second day. It wasn't perfect. Still, we still had the odd shower, but um, yeah, all in all for us, it was good. You know, the even in the rain, we were on a good pace and we managed to stay there. Then when it dried out the second day, so, you know, very, very positive for us, really. It really was a typical Galway. All right, I, I kind of drew back the curtains on the Saturday morning. I went, yeah, yeah, we're we're back to Galway. All right, it was, yeah, we're uh, back to normal almost. You know, <laughs> yeah, COVID, this, is, this is normality. <laughs> yeah, a cold, wet, two-day Galway rally. That's that means we're really back into proper yeah, rallying again. Yeah, definitely. And to be fair, the guys on the ditches they were they were braver than any of us driving cars. To be fair, you know that was um some showing with them all. You know, especially the marshals. I mean, the volunteering that is. <laughs> oh yeah, those guys met at six six a.m. that day, and you know that's it. I was well frozen by come three o'clock, and I arrived well, a lot later. So I got back to the hotel room after the first day and the second day. Actually, got and uh, I said, uh, "I can't feel my feet; they're freezing." <laughs> and I'd be sat in the car all day. So <laughs> God knows how they felt. Yeah, well, I, I the rookie the rookie error given rallying was away so long and left the wellies at home. So I think I had early onset trench foot by the time I got back to the pub. So. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, would would you say that it's a, a rally that suits your your style of driving? Generally, not. I've always been a bit skeptical of, of, of rallies like that. You know, especially my younger days, kind of in R two cars, I really really struggled with that kind of rallies. I'm going to the Ulster and when it was running in Derry back in 2017 and the stages were really, really muddy and a lot of like farm tracks and we struggled a lot. So I think as I've gone four-wheel drive, I've kind of got into it a bit more and, you know, going into Galway, I always kind of look at it as like, we need to get, get away from here, landscape, there's some points in the bag. But, you know, um, I think I, I spoke to Kevin, you know, KG about it earlier in the week and I, I touched on it with him saying that, you know, we were not surprised because I always try to be, you know, as competitive as I can, but, you know, pleasantly sort of, you know, I was pleased then to, to, to be on like a leading pace from, from the start really to win the first stage um, was, was good, uh, you know, because I knew that nature of stage is like the nature of stage that typically 
hasn't suited me in the past. So, you know, we, we seem to be in a, a pretty good place for the car straight away after just a short test. And, um, you know, we just kind of worked on it from there. Um, I think we, we would have been leading in service if it wasn't we sit in the start line, the wipers stopped completely for the third stage. So we did the first K with no wipers and still won the stage. So, yeah, I think, you know, we had a pretty quick start, to be honest. But, um, you know, Josh always, um, he was always there. And, uh, you know, uh, through the day, kind of, Callum got a bit closer towards the end of the day as well. But, uh, you know, still, overall, like in those conditions, we kind of still managed to, to stay in the race, which was, which was good for me. That certainly seemed to be what Saturday was all about, given the, the amount of retirements and, and punctures in particular. Lots of guys yeah, picking up punctures. To be honest, you know, I think we have to give credit to a lot of the guys, especially the top five or six, was that none of us made mistakes for the first day. You know, I was almost banking on someone to do something, you know. Hopefully it wasn't mm-hmm. me. We we were down yeah. a ditch for five seconds out of a junction, but it was nothing, nothing to mm-hmm. worry about. You know, it happens now and again. But in fairness, you know, I think like myself, Josh, Ali, Callum, Callum McCourt, I mean, I think Callum had one spin on the second last stage and that was it. But, you know, to, to have a day like that at that pace with with that weather, you know, and for nobody really to put a foot majorly out of line was probably a bit surprising, but, but still it was a good race and it made it even better, I guess. Would you say that's uh, quite a good premonition for the rest of the, of the championship? It seems like there are a lot of guys on a very similar level, yourself included, who are signed up to do the entire Irish championship. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, I think we expected a few. And to be fair to Cathan, he went very well as well. You know, I think if it wasn't for a spin at the end of the first day, he would have probably been within sort of 10 seconds of Ali as well in fifth. So even if to have five cars after a day like that, then within sort of, a minute as it was, but it could have been closer. Was was, a, was very good, and I think when you get to West Cork, usually you find a couple more join as well because maybe some aren't so keen on sliding and bouncing off ditches and go away for two days. But um, you know, if you if you're serious on the championship, you've got to go, and I actually quite enjoy it anyway. But yeah, for the championship, it looks very good. I mean, there's a good level there. Um, you know, you had obviously guys like Johnny Greer didn't didn't go in the end for some reason, and um, you know, if, if he comes to a few rallies, Johnny's usually pretty quick as well. So. There's a few more that could that could add to the party as well. Sure, for sure. West Cork will always bring out a few extras, as you say. Yeah, it's it's just a shame, really. The BRC isn't going to West Cork this year because the entry we had the two years ago was. Oh, I yeah. feel there's a big gap in rallying there. You know, that's that something mm-hmm. that was never fulfilled. You know, I think it was the best entry that you would have ever seen. It, it was fantastic to watch that year. It was really, really good seeing seeing all that, that contingent arrive on. It really made for a cracking battle all weekend and just seeing the, the size of the field and the quality of car and driver across and, the board. You know, the year that never was that we did half a day's wrecking got sent home, I think would have been even better myself. But, um, you know, what can we yeah. do? <clears throat> I mean, this was touched on with, with Kevin as well, but it, it must be... I mean, it's, it's something of uh, a silver lining because of all the last two years haven't been such a... Well, eventful. Let's put it that way. Mm. Uh, it, it does mean that everyone's champing at the bit to to get back involved, and that's reflected in the entry lists. You know, what I mean, incredibly healthy and really competitive across the board. Yeah, and we've seen that. In, you know, in Ireland, I think since since it sort of come back in court back in September. I mean, even though there was no spectators allowed in service, it was quite funny because. Service was kept away from everyone. We come out of service on the roundabout, like the sides of the road are just packed for about a kilometre. And uh, yeah, so I think that the hunger for an island is massive. And 
we saw that even on Saturday as well, you know, with the, the crowds and the rain and stuff. <clears throat> it was, um, yeah, I think it, it showed that the sport's been missed quite a lot in, in Ireland. I mean, that must be, I realise I'm probably maybe straying away here, but the fact that um, it's such a big deal in Ireland and, and more so than certainly in England, I can't say, you know, I, you know I've, I've watched, I've grown up watching rallying in Wales and it's a far more, you're aware of it as a, as a sport, even if you're not going to it in Wales, where in Ireland, it's a different level, you know, and, and that must be, you know, an appeal from your point of view, I assume. Definitely, yeah, definitely, because, you know, I'm a proud Welshman, but I'll still say that I think the the size of the sport in Ireland is, is huge compared to anywhere in the UK. I mean, you know, any championship really, you know, even the BRC, I mean, the, the events are huge, you know, the, the support that rallies like, you know, in fairness to Galway over the years, it hasn't been the most sort of popular event in the championship and still, you know, it pulls in a crowd like that, you know, and, you know, with the weather as well. I mean, when, I think once you get to the rallies, maybe if West Cork was a nice dry weekend on a bank holiday as well, Killarney is a bank holiday, I think as well. And then you've got a Donegal. I mean, it's just... It's huge. And, and as a competitor, you really feel that. You feel the, the presence and the people and, you know, people coming up, photos and service and, you know, spectators waving at each other, cars on road sections and stuff. And, yeah, just the, the, the whole atmosphere around it is totally, totally different. And, you know, even in the hotels and stuff, you know, we see it going into the petrol stations in the area, you know, the, the people working there say, oh, good luck, hope you have a good rally and all that. It's, it's, it's nice then to hear that as a competitor, especially one that's coming in from another country. Mm-hmm. You can well imagine. I mean, that must that that must be sort of an understated thing about the the impact that support on a road section, or at least acknowledging it on a road section, has. I said, I mean, we did Donegal for the first time in 2019. Obviously, I'd been there a good five six times working with obviously Manus and the Darren Gas and those guys in our hire cars. And I said to JJ, he'd never been there before, but he said like, you will have your eyes open. I can't prepare you for it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I remember we we come into Letterkenny on a Friday afternoon for the first service and. Uh, leaving service then to go out to the second loop the, the dual carriageway was absolutely gridlocked for about three kilometers back in because i think obviously the majority are chasing the first sort of 30 cars and he was like i don't believe that that's just obscene <laughs> like that's bigger than rally gb to, to an extent that's about see i take that for granted now but it's interesting hearing you guys kind of say it from that level you know we're, we're just fed on you can't escape it here like you know no, no, you can't. Up, even if you haven't an interest in it as you say you meet the people in the filling stations and you just see you know you, you nearly happen across rallies by accident around here because you know it's a relatively small country yes. you're bound to come across them across the year whether you're going to it or not um but yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear your guys' point of view and on you that. Know, even like you drive, you drive home from the rally, you put the radio on in the car, and like there's a, a report about the rally, and you know that mm. it's just just the scale of it. I mean, we don't we don't see it the same at home. Yeah, uh, that's it, isn't it? I think it's the ability to to tell there's a rally on, even if you aren't going to it. You know, in Ireland, it, it's impossible to, to the, the sort of the sort of communal buzz around it. You know, in the whole locale, I can't think of. You know, I, I remember spectating RACs and stuff back in the day in the late '90s when it used to still, you know, do the whole of, or at least, you know, outside Wales at least, and you'd get a smidge of it then. You know, mm-hmm. I remember after school, me and my mates, you know, watching, you know, the the cars coming through on road sections and stuff, but nothing like the extent that you get on just any no. international in, in no, Ireland, you know. It's, it's, it, it is different, totally different. I mean, it's hard to explain it really, but yeah, the, um, just the whole atmosphere it's created. Like what I would say is that the town 
in Ireland, whatever town the rallies in, the town accommodates the rally, the town stops for the rally. Everybody in the town is pretty much there for the same reason for that weekend. And um, yeah, on Monday, then it's back to normal. But, you know, the main event in that town is the rally. Every sort of every rally, every weekend there's a rally in town. Mm-hmm. I imagine part of that must be just for the nature of the fact that, you know, rally in Ireland is and always has been predominantly a, a tarmac public road affair mm. whereas in the uk or in, in england wales and everything else in scotland it's it traditionally up in the hills and up in forestry commission yeah it probably gets with us you know, tucked away over the years it's been tucked away a bit you know with the forestry isn't it um yeah it's harder to take it to the people when you're sending them to forestries which are normally in the back end of nowhere <laughs> but um <laughs> i think now roads in the uk the one my local one rally by is that was, that was actually well supported and Clacton, I think the first, I did that the first time in Rwanda was actually very good as well. The people seem to be a, a very, very welcoming there and happy to see it. I know some bad press always around it. But we seem to attract that, you know, people writing in and stuff. It's just someone trying to, to get some attention more than anything. I mean, the clubs are doing a great job, I think. And I think in time, you know, you don't build a rally the size of Kalani or Donegal or you know, these internationals in Ireland overnight. I mean, it takes years. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think we've started with a good base in the UK and I think in, in years to come, we'll have some very strong rallies. Yeah, we could end up, you know, we've had a strong tradition of, of guys from the UK coming over here to Tarmac events over the years. You might see some, you know, Irish crews now going the other direction to, to take it to, to, to see the tables turned. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> Cultural <laughs> exchange. <laughs> yeah, exchange. Exchange scheme, Yeah. <laughs> Go on, Killian, sorry. <laughs> I was going to ask about Rally Bay um, purely because, I mean, it, it must be quite wonderful to have. I mean, effectively, very much your home rally and a new creation, your neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, I know from a home, you know, I went to UD in Aberystwyth with some fantastic roads around there. Uh, and, and you were doing quite well in 2019 until things went awry. I mean, are, are you doing it in 2022? Oh, we'll see. We'll see. The, the, I think the nice thing for me is I think the Talon Championship will be pretty much over by then. So we'll have an idea um, what we're doing. Uh, depends a bit with work, I think, as well. But um, definitely I'd like to. I feel like I have unfinished business after after what happened two years ago or three years ago by then. But um, yeah, it, it started pretty well and it seemed to be going well again in the second stage before things went a bit wrong. But, you know, I think we learned a lot from it. Um, and yeah. You've got to try and win your home one, I guess. I don't think I'll get a rally much closer to home. So it's only 40 minutes up the road, so we'll have to go back at some point, hopefully That'd this be... year. I think to win it as part of the British Championship as well would be would be a bit bit more, wouldn't it? So, you know, oh, but yeah. obviously with the British Championship, it brings a lot of good drivers in as well. So it'll be hard. It's definitely on my list this year to go to. Uh, you know, I missed out on 2019 for various reasons, but, you know, it's a, it looks... I mean, I know for a fact the roads around there are fantastic. So Yeah, it's very... Very tricky, very, very sort of in 19, it was pretty narrow and um, very technical, you know. There's one fast stage, one we went off on, incidentally, but um, mm. yeah, the very tricky roads, uh, but uh, very challenging. Very different, actually, as well to, to all the other, well, most of the other closed roads I've done in the UK. Mm-hmm. Did, uh, I think Clacton and we did Three Shires as well. The stages were a bit more, <clears throat> I wouldn't say easy, but, you know, less three-dimensional, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't, <laughs> for a better or worse, you don't associate Clacton on Sea with uh, no, the traditional, no. like winding Irish tarmac lanes or tarmac lanes, do you? <laughs> no, no. And I think 
to be honest, that was what Rally Bay did. They they picked roads with that obviously didn't have many residents on them, which was it, it helped the organisers with their you know with with PRing and everything. But um, I think this, some of the stages they did use in 2019, if I'm going to be a bit critical, were probably a, a little bit narrow for the cars that we drive these days. You know, they're pretty wide cars and stuff. But um, I think you know for their first year, they they did a very good job, and I I believe they'll have you know they'll move on with it and probably, you know, pick different stages over the years to just to, you know, move it on a bit. Fantastic. <laughs> so I'll back to sort of like, go on, go on. Go on, go on, sorry. No, carry on, carry on. Nothing, mate. It was just fluff. Go on, carry on. Yeah. Uh, just wanted to circle back to Galway for, for a second because uh, Jamie and I were both uh, looking over your onboard of the Black Road stage on Sunday. That was yeah. um, certainly an exhilarating watch. Um, How did you eat your bakes that morning? I actually had one, yeah. Um, <laughs> we were lucky because the, the the Sunday morning, it started a bit later. I walked into breakfast in the hotel on um, Saturday morning at quarter past six and got told to leave. So uh, I had to grab an apple and run. <laughs> That's all I had. Um, but yeah, I, I had time for one week to mix on Sunday morning. Um, it probably took a bit to kick in because we weren't really on fire for the first stage, but we woke up a bit for the second one. And it was... Um, it was better. I appreciate I appreciate you doing your bit to get the the big Weetabix money in for the podcast. <laughs> I'm sure we can, yeah. can count on Weetabix sponsorship <laughs> moving forward. No. <laughs> oh, I, I love a good breakfast. I even I always try and force something into me, even if I don't want it. But um, it, it did. It, maybe maybe it was that that morning. I don't know. It was, um, yeah, I, I actually spotted myself on, on that on board as well. And I, I was looking fairly sorry and cold, but it was, um, that was at the time where it was actually deteriorating by that point because that morning it was actually a lot better. Mm. And even though I was standing at a square right, you could see a kind of dry line forming. By the time we came back again, it was gone and the road was muckier and there was yeah. more. And we, we saw Al- Alistair pick up his, uh, when he just after he got the puncture and he ended up going yeah. to the bank. Yeah. Um, we were right there for that and then I, I noticed Stephen on your onboard where the double O had gone off because I was talking to those guys back in service and they were saying the standing water at the top of the stage was insane yeah, like, I thought we were pushing on further into the ditch for the minute for a minute you know? <laughs> turned in you know the, the water the problem was the gravel crews had been through and what we had of them was brilliant but it's still you know you don't know you know they might look at it a bit differently to you so it's never perfect but, you know, it's just judging or guessing almost how deep it is and how fast you can attack it or how much it's going to slow the car down for you. Which I think that last part, how much it was going to slow the car down for me, I think I used the water to slow down sometimes. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know, was it clever or stupid at the time? <laughs> Maybe says it was clever, I don't know. It's clever given how it worked out anyway, maybe in other circumstances. It worked this time. Yeah, yeah this time. But, um, there was just a couple because it, I found it was okay. I always found it generally pretty good because you could see most of it. And there was just that one, the very last patch of standing water was like a long flat left-hander over a crest and you had about 80 metres to slow down for a right-hander and 60 metres of it was water. So it basically just glided over the first 60 metres and as soon as you hit the tarmac, you felt it slow down and it was just enough, luckily. But... um. It, yeah, it, it, it's one of those, you know, it's one of those where, you know, I don't feel like we took risks, but maybe we were just a bit braver than, than the others in the water. But I think that nature of stage suits me pretty well as well. You know, there's a fair bit of committed stuff and the, the surface route is, is pretty good. You know, even it didn't deteriorate sort of in terms of mud. 
No, didn't look I mean, like it was as bad as some of the other ones in that, in that no, respect. No, nothing, nothing like the, the first stage that day with the last four, 4K, I think the last time through was lethal because it was just like a sheet of grease on the road. Mm-hmm. But the, the Black Road seems to to be good like that, you know. A Black Road seems to have, is like Galway in many ways is kind of uncharacteristic of, of a lot of Irish rallies because it doesn't have the high banks in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. You've got the ditches and cuts. So yeah. the stages deteriorate so much, but Black Road is so much like that. So at least that's, that's yeah, something. And obviously it's a mountain it. road for, for most of it. So, you know, mountain roads are generally, the tarmac's very abrasive and old, which is good if you're rallying on it. <clears throat> but, you know, some I think where we had the moment was just because the tarmac, it was the the middle was it was like crowned and very uneven. So I think where we turned in, it just jumped off the crown and up on the bank. But you know, it, it wasn't a major moment at all. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Going back to um, the polo itself, I mean, yes. this is this, this must be is this the third the start of the third season in the car? And I, mean, I can't believe I mean it seems like two seconds ago since well, they. We can't call twenty twenty a season, can we? <laughs> well, true, no. true, true. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's very true. But, no, we wipe out twenty twenty altogether. I did. I, well, I did one and a half rallies in in twenty twenty. Um, it was really goal was went pretty well. Then we had six months off, and I I was just dying to do something. And I went to Belgium to do this rally, and I've never seen anything like it. It rained sort of against the forecast. It was going to be dry. And it, it was just disgusting. Like, if you think Galway was bad. <laughs> I well, you see him doing them scary big cuts in Belgium, yeah, don't you? Yeah. Where they seem to cut half the, half the Flanders field. Pretty much <laughs> that's what it was. And it was just rain and water everywhere. I've never seen anything like it. Um, yeah, I, actually, Craig Green won the rally in a, in a WRC car because he was testing free for it. That also didn't run. But he said, he like, the conditions were incredible. Like, he, even he said with his experience, he'd never seen much like that before. But... Um, yeah, the, the polo actually is, is good. Like twenty last year we started late, obviously it was summer. Like Scotland was my first one last year in June. But um I had a very good feeling with the car from when we, what we did in Galway in twenty twenty and moving on, you know, into last year, everybody kind of forgot that I didn't know much about the car because I was like, Oh, he's had a polo for eighteen months, but I hadn't actually driven it at all. You know, it was just um, it had been sitting in the garage and that was that. But uh, no, last year we kind of just, it was strange. It was like almost starting again because you had to build your momentum up again. You had to just learn little things again and just reacclimatize everything. And it probably caught, caught me a bit <clears throat> that um, I didn't really appreciate how long it would take. You know, I was expecting kind of the usual two, three stages and you'd be you'd be cracking on properly again. But um, it, it was probably... Probably the last loop of the first event I did in it that we really started to, to, to gel again. And um, the worst thing was then, obviously, we had two months before we did another rally, so it didn't really um, carry over that much. But but no, the, the car then, when you're into it, you can you can sort of re, resettle pretty well. Like in Galway, I hadn't sat in a car before. Well, I hadn't sat in a car since Wexford in October. And uh, yeah, we got in just 20k tests on a Friday morning and it all felt like home, you know? But uh yeah, it, it, it obviously initially it takes a bit, but then once you're into the flow of doing rallies and your notes and everything, it, it, you know, you can readjust. And the car, to be honest, it's pretty easy to drive. And I think when you have conditions like you had at the weekend, that's a, a big, big bonus because you're not fighting much. It's just sort of not scaring you and you can just keep picking the, the corners off and, you know, doing what you want to do is a big thing, I guess. <clears throat> have you found you, you, you've, you, you've learned 
new ways of sort of extracting more from the car in the year and a half, let's say, you've, you've actually been driving it competitively. Yeah, you always find things. You find what works for you. Because some cars are different. You know, you have different characteristics. I've been lucky. I've driven probably, I think, almost every R5 car apart from the new... That's the next question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, the Polo is has a very, very good front end where it doesn't understeer as much and it just turns in. So I was actually speaking to Richard about it earlier in the week and, you know, from my habit with a Skoda because the Skoda tends to understeer a bit was to cover the handbrake a lot. And, you know, that's something you don't need to do in a Polo and, uh, or not do as much. But, uh, the chassis of the Polo is very good. It, it kind of, it's almost like you can be comfortable with it. You know, it, it doesn't scare you that much. You know, the bumps and stuff, it flies very squarely. You can, you can prop like almost, I've never been one to attack jumps, but I said on Sunday, probably was it, or Saturday, Sunday was the first time I'd really gone at jumps and said, right, it's, it's going to take it. And you know, the car is, is very good like that. The, you know, the chassis, the chassis for me is what makes the car. You know, the way they've got the weight distribution sorted mm-hmm. and everything is, is really impressive. That's probably being a, sounding a bit of a nerd there, but um, yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, but, better. Uh, that's, that's, that's what we like here. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what we're here <laughs> yeah. for. Yeah, the, 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 better. A lot of the, the dampers and stuff are carried over from the WRC car. So the work was done before the car was out, if you, if you, you know, in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they had a, a good bit of the R5 project kind of developed on the WRC car in a way. Obviously, there were restrictions that they couldn't bring a lot of stuff across and had to change some things. But uh, the car itself is a lot of guys that we've put in them and a lot of guys that I know, very, very good drivers that have jumped in a polo said straight away, like, I can drive this car. There's nothing major that, you know, I need to need to do to it. Obviously, everybody has their own tweaks that they go and, and just do here and there. But I think in, in general, the car as a base you can jump in and be pretty fast in it, and then you can just go and pick little bits. Yeah, well, as Richard said, Marcus Granholm in testing sat in it for 20 minutes and said, put the car back on the trailer, that yeah, it was good exactly. enough. So you know, it has to be a good sign. Similar stories from Mickelson and Esopekalaki as well said very similar. And, you know, I was actually quite, not scared, but worried. Maybe not worried is the wrong word as well, but, you know, apprehensive last year when we had Matt in the car because Matt has been a guy, obviously, he's, he's done a lot, he's been successful, but he'd only ever driven a Fiesta, really. And generally, the complaint we get from people who've only driven Fiestas is they like the car to pitch and dive and move a lot because the Fiesta chassis is notoriously quite soft. Mm. And I was just praying, like, when he did the first test in it, I basically put my setup in for him. And I just prayed, like, just don't don't make it, don't, don't try and make it a Fiesta. And he, and he jumped out and he said, I can't believe how good this thing is. And, and play. you know, Matt was um Matt was very impressed with it from the word go. And I think it took Oshan maybe a rally or an, an extra rally, but I think when Oshan got his header on it as well, he was very, very pleased with the car, you know. Which of the the, the three other R fives you've driven would you say the polo is most like? Or is it or is it night and day completely different? Oh, no, it's got similarities to Skoda, obviously, because the engine is is the mm-hmm. same externally. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The gearbox and diff is all pretty much the same unit, but obviously they have different ratios and and and, and ramps and all that. But um, so the Skoda probably has similarities. The way it delivers power is quite similar to the to the Skoda. The Polo probably a bit better at the bottom end, mm-hmm. um, but the chassis mm-hmm. um, on the Polo is is a bit better for me. <clears throat> 
there's seen starting to see less and less Fabias out actually recently. And is there not, yeah. is there not many of the of the, the the Evo version around her? It's the a super- shame, I think, because when when we had the Skoda, I did a few rallies, did not too bad in it really. We had a few good results, but there's always been, I don't know, in Ireland especially, people seem to be just a bit scared of. There's been I don't know. People were saying a couple of years ago that they weren't so good in the wet and and so on, but. You know, I spoke to Calm Devine and he was in Barham, I think, last year and he was seventh overall. And he said Barham is the most similar rally you can get to Ireland outside of Ireland, really. And there were six goals. Oh, really? Just, just very dirty, you know, forest roads. And he said, like, there were six goals in front of me. And so they can't be too bad in that kind of weather, you know. Yeah, I have to get one some of those guys over to do some setup for, for uh, Fabias <laughs> over here, maybe. Um at the risk of offending I people. Like Barrow and Rally. Barrow and Rally is my go-to for... The Skoda is very good. Right. I wouldn't... Um, for me, if I had to do a rally in a car that wasn't a Polo, I'd do it in a Skoda, for me. Okay. And, and compared to the, the i20 then, which which obviously you, you, you ran and, and you had customer cars with the i20s yeah. for a good time as well. How does that compare, or what kind of characteristics does that bring to the table? Because I know a lot of people struggled with that car to 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 get to grips with initially. Certainly, yeah. the Hyundai that, that I had is probably nothing like what like Josh is driving today because they they've changed a lot. They basically homologated completely new dampers and everything for it. So basically, when I came out of the Hyundai, when I started the process of of trying to improve it over bumps and stuff, which was really a massive problem with it when I was driving it. Um, I'm not going to play it down. It was it, it wasn't that good at all. But I think over time they've they've definitely improved that quite a lot, <clears throat> and um, it shows I think as well. To be fair, with what Josh has been doing, yeah, um, certainly the engine the Hyundai is always very good. So I think if they could get it to handle it, it it would have been, you know, it was always going to be relatively competitive. Um, but you know, it's hard for me to say now because I never actually drove it with a with the new dampers and stuff, but I still think for me, the Hyundai always, I always found the cars that are strong at the bottom end, kind of, they rob the top end of the power. Mm-hmm. So as if, if you're very, very good at the bottom, they kind of lose it higher up. And I found the Hyundai engine was a bit like that, but it was very, very strong still. But uh, whereas the, I, with the, the Volkswagen sort of Skoda engines, they, the power curve, it kind of continues. You have it to the end of the rev till you need to change gears. Fantastic. I mean, I mean that must just be the the result of obviously lots of talented people, but the fact that that Volkswagen Motorsport budget must have been fairly substantial at the time. Yeah, I think, and to be honest with Volkswagen, I think because R five was so cost capped, I think obviously they had such a good WRC car that they could, you know, try to see if that would work on R five car. You know, that that kind of thing. You know, they put so much into their WRC program that mm-hmm. you know, I know I know that a lot of the, the dampers and stuff like that were carried across. I'm not sure what the geometry, but um, I think that had to be a bit different because you're restricted with with picker points and stuff in R5, so I think some silly stuff. But yeah, I think the the whole budget behind Volkswagen and to be honest, the engineers as well, they, they kind of went to extreme lengths to try and make the car the best. You know, there are a few stories but, um, that, that they went sort of beyond to, to try and make it a bit better where they could have taken an easier route for less money that would have... I don't know, maybe it's been half a percent, not as good. But, um, you know, that's the kind of mentality Volkswagen had. I mean, if it was 
I don't know, 500 grams lighter, they'd probably spend a fair bit more money to get that part, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, no scraps left on the table. It's got to be worth it to sign out with your your final internal combustion engine rally program as an out-and-out winner. It's got to be worth it. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's the Volkswagen, when they came to WRC and won, like, straight away, it kind of set the tone. I mean, I I think you you put it on your Instagram the other day on the gravel crew that uh, with the Polo WRC and it's like the if you if you're looking for numbers there's absolutely nothing that could ever come close to that <laughs> percentage wise you know it's it, um, what they did was yeah. incredible and I think there was I've, I've even heard a story there was actually talk internally at some point that they did actually speak about winning every round of the World Championship you know that was a goal <laughs> and they got close. I mean, it's, it was it's, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a stealthy, it's a stealthy start, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't know about you, you know, we all know as rally folk deep down that the Polo is an all-conquering, the Polo WRC rather, is an all-conquering winner. And yet, I think probably because of the age I am, I don't want to speak for you guys, whenever I think of an all-conquering rally car, I still think a succession of Evos and a Delta. And really, yeah. it's not even in the same ballpark, really. If we're talking an actual specific model, then... There's only one win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Polo was there for four years and what, like, probably one eighty percent of the rallies it started. So, metronomic. It was silly. Okay, you know, low wasn't there or whatever, but still, Citroen for the first three or four, well, first two or three years anyway, were putting a good bit of money in until they probably realised they couldn't live with it. And I, Hyundai were, you know, putting a lot of money in as well. But it just goes to show, I think, the level Volkswagen were at when Toyota joined. You know, Toyotas have as much budget as anyone to throw at it and probably didn't do it to the same level as Volkswagen did. It's certainly one of the, the battles that was missed, maybe two two proper giants of, of, of Toyota versus VW, if you're going to pick two corporations to go at it in motorsport. It's one um, of the biggest chains ever, I think, not to see that same team Volkswagen, just if it had done one rally, just, just to see. I think it's... Someone yeah, needs to get yeah. it out of the museum in Wolfsburg and get a stealthy run somewhere. I think that'll move. <laughs> No, doubtful, doubtful, but a shame nonetheless. It is a huge well, shame. We'll, we'll see it in the Eiffel Rally in 2035, don't worry. <laughs> Maybe. But always you drive it, this is what you could have had. <laughs> Press from his 15th Monty win in 2035 or something like <laughs> that. Still, yeah, still going. Um, but yeah, it's a one of those ones and it looked such a cleaner car as well in terms of the aero to the, the other ones but um, yeah yeah well I think Volkswagen are actually very very reserved with their, their aero because um, actually I spoke to Rich once and I think he said FX was very worried that the, that the aero kind of wasn't extreme enough and it wasn't going to provide enough downforce and stuff because I think Volkswagen took the approach well we don't want anything to be knocked off we'd rather have less aero there all the time mm-hmm. but um, I think from what guys were saying that I tested the car that it was it would have been competitive there was no doubt I don't think anyone would doubt have much doubt in their minds about that moving looking ahead to the rest of the season I mean how how's the next few months looking for you in terms of competitive driving um, West Cork is next for us so that's five weeks away I think now uh, you know um that's next and I think it gets a bit busier into April and May we have after West Cork the circuit and then Killarney and then the BRC starts as well so there we have possibly there'll be a car there for us <clears throat> not, I'm not sure if I'll do it myself driving but we'll work that out maybe after West Cork and, you know it's a possibility but um, 
it depends with work a bit for me, but uh, you know, we'll focus fully on West Cork for now. Um, that's the one that kind of I, I was pretty confident going into it in 2020 that the car would be good there and everything. And it's a rally that I've always thought would suit me a bit better, you know, being very fast. There's good surface down in that part of the world as well. So it's that many uh, bumps. No, no, it's very, it's very, very quick actually. Everybody told me West Cork is fast, and I did it in 2019, and I was like, oh yeah, this is fast. It, but it's very committed, very, very committed stages. You know, you're not, you're not sitting on a straight for, for you know, ten seconds on a limiter. If you're on the limiter, you're going through corners on the limiter, and and that takes a bit of bravery then. So it's, it's a, it's a very good rally, and you know the people that run it and everything, they're brilliant. Um, <clears throat> One of the best organising teams, to be fair, and you know, I, I have a lot of sympathy for them after what happened two years ago. So they deserve a good entry this year to try and at least relive some of the glory. I don't think they'll be lacking an entry anyway, somehow. So no, yeah. West Cork, to be to be fair, is one of those rallies that never does. I mean, you could have every other well, a good few other rallies that are struggling to run, but West Cork always seems to hit about 140 and, and never has a problem. It's I think it's just a competitor friendly and uh, the, the organizing team are always looking for ways to help us, you know, and I know I think when we sign on, we get vouchers to spend in the town and just little things like that. And I think it, it makes people feel valued and, and, and is a credit to them really as they do it. It's, it's probably one of the more welcoming, you know, as, as, as a rule here, it, it is pretty welcoming, but Clannacilty really embraces it, I think more than yeah. any other place. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, looking forward to it. It'll, it'll be my first year competing in West Cork now this year, so looking forward to that. <laughs> you get the brave hat on on Saturday morning. Ardfield yeah. first stage, I think, is it? <laughs> I believe so, yeah. So, um, yeah, and first time sitting in the car for nearly, what, it'll be nearly three years, two and a half years. So, yeah, that could be a, a big wheat of X1, I think, anyway, for, for me. So, it's just K Cronin. You, you might get a good seating as well. <laughs> Like you put in the top ten somewhere. Oh God, no! no I, we, we we were asking, we were asked, talking to one of the organisers just for the weekend. We we've been asked for quite a low seat. Now we just took us down, <laughs> nice down low. It'd be nice and easy. I'll be there at stage side comparing both of your times. Don't worry. No, no, no it might, might embarrass me. <laughs> it, it, where did your love for competing in Irish tarmac rallies stem from? You know, is, is it something you've always fancied doing? Or, um, you know, obviously your father was no stranger to success over there. Yeah, it, I think it stems from dad, to be honest. Um, he obviously rallied there back in the 90s first and had a lot of success in like the 2000s into early 2010s. And sort of then, obviously, I was becoming old enough to, to drive and I started doing some rallies at home in like a micro, you know, the, the junior thousand and stuff. And... You know, I did a year in, in the BRC Challenge when I was 17 and obviously I was going away on events a lot then with work and stuff to Ireland. And, you know, obviously you get to know the people because dad knew them all. And, uh, you know, it came to like 2018 and we weren't really sure, sorry, 2014, we weren't really sure what to do. And um, dad just said, oh, go to Ireland, do some rallies because he said, if you can be fast on, on Irish tarmac, you'll sort of, you'll come on a lot. So I went out there with a group Engar, you know, and... <clears throat> That that year kind of brought me on a hell of a lot as a driver, because you you learn to make notes and everything, drive to your own notes. That that's something that's pretty limited in the UK unless you do the BRC, and um, so that you know there's no really cheap way of doing it. You know, in in Ireland you can get sort of one day rallies then were I think like four hundred euro, four fifty euro for a stenter, which you know the sterling then also was very strong against the pound, so we were getting a good chunk back on that, but. 
yeah, the, the love obviously come from from what Dad has done. Um, I think he won the, his first championship out there in 2006, I think, and then 2010, the national championship, which was quite a big thing, actually. I didn't appreciate it at the time, you know. I think that championship had been running for 40 years and he was the first guy outside of Ireland to win it. So, yeah, he's... Dad was always like the prodigal son of Irish rally. <laughs> and um, so I always, I always kind of thought that I'd, I'd, I'd do a fair bit there. Mm-hmm. But um, also, I, I've always kind of realised that I have quite a lot to live up to. So, um, we're getting there slowly, but <clears throat> there's one thing I just want to get is an international win because that's one thing my dad never managed to do. So I'll have one over on that. <laughs> oh, mate, I'm sure it's in the post. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope it's been second three times now, so so hopefully, hopefully one day. But you know, I'm still young enough. You know, I I'm, I'm very lucky actually to be doing what I'm doing at my age. Uh, he was starting a business at my age and probably didn't start rallying in Ireland and stuff and doing big rallies in, in big proper cars, you know, the, the WRC cars till he was in his late thirties almost. So. Well, well, you mean there's hope still? Just ask Matt Edwards if he win his first British championships. <laughs> you can always, never, the dream is never dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can progress to an escort WRC by, by your late thirties, it's not it's not a bad innings, you know. No, no, and uh, it's they're just I'd actually love to drive one of those cars just to see how hard it is compared to what we drive these days. Because what we have these days, you know, it's the they're, they're a lot faster over a road. But I think in terms of driving the car, the cars these days are so so good. You know, with the with the, the dampers and everything, the way they soak bumps and the way they stop is incredible. Um, okay, they're not easy to drive to a level. You know, you've still got to be fairly, fairly clued up on what to do to get them to go fast. But I think with the old Group A and WRC cars, I'd, just the way they bounced about and, and stuff, I think you probably have to think about a few more things. <laughs> Even the, st- the steering racks are so much quicker in those R5 cars. Yeah, so yeah. if you look at the onboards, fellas are, you know, the, the, the level of movement on the wheel for, for the input to the car is yeah. um, so much different, so much more physicality <laughs> going on. Even like when we, we were coming out of the Subarus and we were moving in towards more R5 and the, the later WRC cars, I mean, even when you pick up uh, a damper from a, a, a Subaru, like an S12B, and then like a new R5 car, the weight difference and stuff like that, you know, and the, the uprights and you know, everything like that, the weight difference is huge. So, you know, the, the, the technology is incredible these days, really, and it's always moving forward. So, um you know, I think the the old WRC cars or Group A cars, they're, they're all very raw and a lot of power and maybe not as thought out on the handling side. And, and it seems to have gone the other way now, where the power seems to be less important than the, the handling seems to be the key. The cornering speeds are so much higher now compared to those big two-litre cars, which seems so unwieldy almost in some ways now it's just getting the power down coming out of the corner but you're not carrying through so much through in there depending on the torque to get you up the road but the, the cornering speeds even at like an R5 must corner at a far higher speed than a mid naughty WRC car I was speaking to Gary Jennings actually about it the weekend because obviously he's had like on, on Saturday in, in the in the rain and the puddles he said the Subaru would just be scaring you silly because it had so much power and the size of it it would just be all over the place really you know Compared to what what he was saying, like this Fiesta doesn't see water. I mean, he said he was just driving over it and it was fine, like standing water. But you know, I was like, "Are you sure?" Because I can feel it. But obviously, I, <laughs> I've never experienced worse. So. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just the way the chassis come on. The 
the geometry of cars and the way everything works, you know. Because I remember when Dad first did a rally in an R5 car, obviously he come from the WRC cars, always had active diffs. And he said, there's no way in hell that this, this will work with just a locked diff. He said, it's impossible. <laughs> and I remember the first rally did, it was just mind blown at how the thing could turn in with a locked diff. And, you know, he just said that <laughs> like the technology is is so, so good now compared to what, what we've had. I mean, this he said the, the Fiesta felt better, the R5 Fiesta, then it felt better sort of handling wise with a locked diff than what his Subaru did, you know, and that had an active center diff and everything. So you have so much more you can play with, you know, but it's mad just how things have moved. We do need to mandate a return to large, unwieldy rally cars, though. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, we, we've lost something inside. Yeah, it's like that's, that's why I'd like, I'd, I'd only like to drive one on a show, on a rally. I think I'd make a show of myself. <laughs> <laughs> but to be honest, with Wexford Craig, Breen was driving the Legacy and just listening to the thing pull up at, at the arrival controls behind you. It was, it was like I could close my eyes and be back in. In 1993 again. Well, I couldn't be back because I was never there in the first place. But, <laughs> but if you could pick a pick a year to be watching rallying, that would that would be a good one. Yeah, you know, for, for me, I prefer the the Impreza to the Legacy, but still, it, it was it was nice to hear it. Do, do you have quite strong formative memories of being around two liter of early WRC cars growing up? Um, yeah, my, my earliest memory, well, I'm going to watch Dad in like a Group A Cosworth. I'm going to, to the Ravens Rock rally to watch him there. Um, but my, probably like my when I started properly sort of knowing the cars I was around was probably more like probably the S10, S9, S10, S11 Subarus. Like, that would have been 2007-ish. You know, um, mm-hmm. I remember when Dad bought his first S11 Subaru off Tim McNulty. I mean, it was like a rocket ship. I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the console with about 40 switches in it and and you know the just the way it went off the line I remembered like nothing goes off the line still like a like a Subaru on like one of the tag Subarus we call them so like from the S10 onwards the way they launched was <laughs> it, it honestly like no clutch just left foot on the brake ALS on and full throttle and when you're ready to go just let go of the brake it, 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 it was um <laughs> yeah when, you, when you're sitting in, in one it's yeah, they, the program engineers always used to tell the drivers and the co-drivers, well, the, the co-drivers more than anything to, to put, your, put your head back in the seat because otherwise it would hurt don't, your neck. Don't fight but, it. I remember <laughs> Dad said when he did a rally on Epping with Gareth Roberts, you know, Jaff sitting with him, and Jaff was very short, so his legs couldn't touch the footrest. <laughs> and then they took off the line in the first stage and Jaff's legs were up under the dash area. It was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. We've got a photo of another... I think that rally they did up in the office and uh, he was so small, like he couldn't see his head in the car. It was like he was doing a rally on his own, you know. So, um... <laughs> um, talking about Epent, I mean, you must have strong memories from the place. Yeah, you know, are you looking forward to competing there again? Not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it's, it's one of those where I've, I love going up there as a kid to watch my dad. It's kind of probably where I spent most of my time, you know, watching rallies as a kid, but competing i've just never kind of got on there i've never been there in a, in a in a fast car though which is maybe something that i'm missing and if i went there i might enjoy it but i just epping's got very very fast now it's it's very very you know it's pretty wide it's all smooth um yeah and yeah it's pretty specialist you know don't get me wrong i think we could i'd, I'd, I'd like to go at some some point maybe but uh, it's not somewhere that i'm like itching to go you know mm-hmm. and um 
that's one place I'd probably admit that I'd probably struggle to meet my dad. <laughs> he's he's the king of that place. Um, uh, yeah, and I'll I'll happily give him that. <laughs> I mean, it's one heck of a section of roads. I mean, it from is, a spectator's yeah. point of view, I, I don't think there's a bigger gulf between the reward you get from watching rally cars there, from the pain you have to experience to actually do so. You know? yeah. I mean, yeah. whenever I've been, it's been raining sideways, minus whatever, and yeah. just... <laughs> and you still catch a sun fan sometimes. It's, it's, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's unique, you know. I think when I started going up there years ago, it was all pretty much like single track, very, very narrow stuff. And, they, you know, I only hear stories up because I was too young to kind of remember driving over it then. But, you know, it was a proper, proper challenge. And I'm not saying it's not now, but it's just... Um, very very fast now very really really fast you know the, the roads are a bit wider and it's just giving you so much more scope to carry lines and i think guys know it so well now as well that it's memorized pretty much and i think they, they did away with the recce the last year which was a shame because it kind of then stopped new people coming in because to go to a place like that with no recce is is pretty much impossible to do well then <clears throat> wonderful but, uh, with, with the speeds there, the chicanes are also, you know, you, they have to put so many chicanes in now. The cars are that fast. You know, I think Dan did it last in the Subaru. I think he was 148 in, in one place. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, that's serious speed. But, uh, it's not the kind of, it's not the kind of numbers you often see in a WRC car. It's not, now, no, it's it, not. <laughs> it's not. That's, um, they're not numbers that you really see in rallying in general these days, you know. No, even these new, the, the last generation, um, the 17 cars. I mean, what they were only geared for 205 k's or something, so still a fair way off that. Even most of the two liter cars are, but I think the highest gearing for a lot of those is probably about what, 129 mile an hour, 130. Yeah, the other one, I think when you got the later Subarus, I think they would go to 140 plus pretty, you know, if you had a bit of downhill. I think the, the focus when they went to like 06 on was got a bit quicker, but. You know the torque and stuff those cars had was was insane. Uh, I got over Christmas. I was watching an old WRC video and you know, Loeb in the C4 was there. Just every corner exit, whatever gear he was in, he touched the throttle and it would slide. I mean, it was, you know. I mean, that's mad, and that's an era that that the most that, that in retrospect, I suppose, is quite sideways. And yet at the time, I remember there being constant stick for the cars yeah. cornering like they were on rails, and Loeb especially because yeah. I mean his style. You know, I think Loeb kind of revolutionized rallying a bit, didn't he? Because everybody thought before he turned up that you had to be finishing sideways and throwing it everywhere. Yeah. And um, okay. yeah, I just, uh, okay, maybe Loeb and Ogier haven't been the most entertaining, but I think if you enjoy just watching class and just uh, how they how they go about it, and, you know, for me, I they're the best two for me ever because they just, they like winning and they don't care about pleasing spectators, really. They just go about the fastest way of getting through corners, which is basically what motorsport's about. You know, faster yeah. to me. That's that. I mean, can't fault that. I do remember as a kid, like in like 2001, 2002, maybe, sort of thinking, that, like being more of a Petter Solberg fan than I was a Loeb fan, mm. always thinking, oh, it'll be fine. I mean, you know, Solberg. When the going gets loose, he's always going to have the, he's always going to have the beating of him because Loeb's just a tarmac driver. Yeah, well, it take long to be swiftly disabused of that that's, notion. That's what Loeb <laughs> kind of did as well. Loeb proved to French guys that they can drive on gravel. I mean, before then, it was like, oh no, just we'll, we'll, we'll do tarmac. But <laughs> <one of those laughs> that is, 
Yeah, and Lowe started winning gravel rallies. I think people took a step back and thought, okay, I only won in Finland and Sweden, and then they really knew that the job was over for another seven years or whatever it was. <laughs> By the same token, now you have the, 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 the traditional kind of Scandinavian drivers now getting so much better on tarmac too. Hmm. That you've you've guys going up there, um, doing a lot better in Finland and Sweden from not not from that part of the world, but now those guys are saying, well, you know, we can do it on the on the sealed surface now yeah. as well. So it's it's come full circle really from when we used to be rolling out kind of French yeah. lads for tarmac I, tests. I mean, in, in general, I think rallying just got a lot more like that. I mean, even I was talking to someone in the hotel just after finishing the rally on Sunday, and they were saying. If you'd have gone back to like the two litre area in Galway, I mean, you'd have never seen the top five split by 50 seconds after a, a day like that. But you never have the top three split by 28 at the end, you know? If you go back, rallies become so much more, I think things get analysed a lot more. There's so much more access to, to onboards and, you know, DVDs beforehand and the time you put to recce in. I mean, now, you know, you go to bed at nine. We well, don't go to bed. You go to your room at nine o'clock. You watch the DVD for the next day. And then you wake up in the morning. You might have another look at it. <clears throat> you know, it's got so much, so much more like that in terms of doing homework and everything. It's, I think somebody said a couple of years ago that when Phil Mills did Corsica with Elvin, he said he couldn't believe how much it had changed in terms of that. You know, how much you do the recce, then you watch the, the stages all again. Mm-hmm. And, and then probably like, you know, when they're in regroups, they watch the video again. You know, you, you watch videos of these guys now in, you know, in like queuing for the power stage. They're watching their rivals drive the stage live before driving the stage. And uh, it's filtered down to every level now. And I think even when you get to even like Tarmac Championship level, I think, you know, boys might tell you they don't put too much work in, but I think they're lying because, <laughs> there's, you know, you have to take it seriously now. The, the whole day of, having a few pints after one day's boat sport and going doing it again the next day is, is finished because I think everybody just has to be so sharp these days. Yeah, well, look, the, the, the speeds have gotten higher too, so you need to be stepping into the car a bit fresher as well, you know? Yeah, um, and, you know, even things like fitness has come come into a big, uh, you know, a lot now. You know, everybody seems to be training or everybody has a bike or, you know, they run or anything, you know, just to, to stay just relatively in shape because it does help. And I think, you know, I haven't gone as far as like, in the personal training because I feel I'm, I'm quite lucky physically. I'm, I'm not too bad yet. I'm still young, so I'm not fighting off the pounds yet, but I'm sure the day will come. But uh, yeah, I think the thing is you see the guys do it at the top and you think, well, that's the way to do it. So I think people trying to and apply that to, at any level then really, if, if they want to be competitive. Or you could be Sebastian Loeb and like chain smoke all the time and, and just get away with it. <laughs> I think that's probably where that came from again. You know, like you look at Loeb, he's 47 doing backflips on a finish ramp in Monaco. I mean... It's crazy. Yeah, I know. I mean, he was a gymnast to start with. I mean, you know, he definitely definitely learned how to do that. He did, yeah, but he's still 47. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think the the way rallying's gone like that, the the whole analysing and the, you know, the fitness side of things and everything, it just makes everybody so much sharper and so much alert, so much more aware than an alert of what's around them. And, um, it, that's, I think it's just made a big difference to the sport, especially in you know, probably the last seven, eight years across all the levels. So once you get to like BRC, Irish Town Championship, there's guys now in, in these championships, myself included, you know, that spend a lot of time. I mean, at the weekend, pretty much, I'd say like we had... On, I think on a Sunday we probably had like 10 minutes in service to ourselves because 
you go out to Cardiff, do an interview, then every service we'd watch the loop we'd just done, because obviously it's a repeat loop. You'd watch the in-car back, because obviously the stage is evolving with water and stuff, so you'd try and adapt your notes and stuff. So everybody puts a lot of work in. It's better competition, because the, the moment somebody starts raising the game some bit, it just it's a knock-on. It, it, and it only means better competition for the competitors and, and for the spectators then. Exactly, yeah, well, that's it. That's it. I mean, if one guy does it, the rest are going to do it. And I mean, you know, I was fortunate last year to see, you know, to work with, with Matt and Austin in our, you know, in our cars, just to see what other guys did as well. So, you know, it was, it was quite good to see, but they were, they were both very different, actually. But you know, at the end of the day, they achieved similar results. But I guess different things work for different people. Which event this year are you, are you most looking forward to tackling? Honestly, I think it's the next the next three rallies I really enjoyed in, in 2019. We had, you know, some issues that, that we couldn't really get the result that I think we deserved with our, with the speed we had. But, you know, the West Cork, the um, Kilania and the Circuit or the Easter stages that they called it, then we were, I think, pace-wise, we were pretty strong. So, you know, but then in 2019, the weather for the Circuit and Kilani was stunning, so... You know, if we got, we'd be very, very fortunate to have it all again. But still, you know what? Those three rallies, I think, even from the end of 2019 going into 2020, they were the three that I was looking forward to. So it'll be interesting. Um, you know, 2019, we kind of learned the rallies and, and put more work into sort of making sure we got the mileage in, you know, so we, we, we learned as much as we could to try and then go after results after that. So, yeah, going back to rallies, it'll be nice. <clears throat> I mean, that's another thing. It seems like, you know, on, on the face of it, it sounds, you know, you've got four years of, of all-wheel drive R5 experience. But of course, that's not the case at all because you've been robbed of a good two of them by much, situations uh, completely outside of your control. I think I did three rallies in 2018 in an R5 car and then we have one in 2016 that we don't speak about because <laughs> it didn't last very long. But so it really, like, we did three in 2018 and then... A full season in 19, one rally or two rallies in 2020, and it kind of restarted towards the second half of last year. So it's been pretty sort of off and on, but it, you know, getting a bit of momentum is the, is the key, really. You know, I'd say I'm still pretty fresh to the R5 scene. I think when you look at Galway, I was still probably quite a bit younger than a lot of the guys there. So, you know, to be I think I'm pretty happy with where we're at. I feel I was just frustrated in 2020 because I felt that this could have happened two years ago, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's um, it's the way it is. I mean, I could, can't change the world, I guess. So uh, I had to be very patient for the for the last two years because I just felt as we were coming on to sort of a pace where I, I knew that we could achieve, it all got stopped and I, we all had to stop. But um, I just had to tell myself that it would come another day. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I, I can only imagine. It, it's not like it's it's something any other aspiring rally driver, apart from people in your exact same shoes from your exact same your peers, would ever have to have experienced. You know, a global pandemic. Yeah, I know. You know, like, throwing a spanner in the works. To be honest, it was quite hard because you sit there and, and you think, well, time's going on. I'm not going anywhere. You know, by the time I get to go rallying next, I will be, you know, 26 or whatever. But it, it was um it was a tough time to be fair because I think we were all so used to just doing what we, what we wanted in a way and then for it to stop was was hard and we had to find sort of almost new hobbies for a bit you know I bought a bike and stuff like that and <laughs> I changed a bit but 
<clears throat> no, it's um, it was frustrating, really frustrating. I think at the end end of twenty twenty, I was very very anxious. I just wanted to go and do something, but you know, I, I kind of learned that you were better off probably waiting for doing something that suited you, and that's what we did in the end. And uh, we had a pretty good second half to last year. Um, it was more just rebuilding momentum and making sure you could drive again initially and then building from that. And uh, yeah, we had a really, really good year actually last year. I had to put my own rallying a bit on a back burner with work with, with the BRC because so we had two cars there that, that took a lot of time for us. But um, yeah, we still got five rallies in and, and, and enjoyed it. And I think, well, as it's shown, I think we put ourselves in a pretty good place for this year. With that in mind, and, and and the pace kind of starting to build momentum coming back, you know, good tarmac points out of Galway. Will, will you will you maybe compete in a few national rounds as well, just to keep the keep things on the boil as much as possible to put in a good charge? Um, I probably not to be honest. Um, I don't see myself in. Well, I don't think we'll be in Mayo anyway. And after that, there's um, it's actually pretty busy with um with a tarmac championship anyway. So. It would just, I think, like between West Cork and uh, these stages is three weeks or something anyway. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not like a huge gap that needs to be filled. That, you know, no. Maybe, you know, there's there's a couple that could you could do in between. Like, um, I think Kalani and Donegal is a fair gap. But, you know, by then you'll have an idea of, of how the year is going and we'll probably just make a decision as it goes on, you know. And Cork 20 is on a lot sooner this year as well, isn't it? Yeah. So- uh, July, yeah, which is uh, yes, not long after Donegal. Yeah, <laughs> a full dry cold 20 would be nice. We don't see it often, but now I've said that. No. Like, it'll probably rain. <laughs> most, most likely, oh, yeah. It, it'll definitely change. jinxed it now. Yeah, yeah. I, did that, I do that on most rallies, to be honest. I jinxed the weather. <laughs> but no, Cork in July would be nice. <clears throat> um, I was actually in two minds because obviously that was Rally Island was meant to run in August and I was thinking, well, I can't really miss Cork 20 in, in late July because, to be honest, like the Cork 20 is one that I've always seemed to have done. You know, I, I did it, I've probably done it five or six times now and I really enjoy going there. So, but, you know, there's no Raleigh Island now, unfortunately. So we're just, um, we can focus on what we're doing. Hopefully next year, it'll, they might make a, an attempt at it. It would be great if it just happened once because it's such specialized tarmac you know I, I remember when i did some rallying in france in 2018 and come back to ireland and it was like well you know this it is really different it's it's very very unique and you know i spoke to a lot of foreign drivers who rallied here with the erc and stuff and they were saying like oh it's so specialist you know <laughs> they, they'd never seen anything like it um so it would be nice if the, if the wrc did come there because um it would be great just to race some of those guys you know on on kind of i count ireland as kind of a home rally for me it would be more of a home rally for me than GB on gravel anyway, because obviously I have a lot more experience in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So for me to get the chance to to go and try and race, you know, the the top WRC two guys there just to see where we're at, you know, would be it would be good. I mean, it, it, it does it it definitely deserves its own WRC round. Let's face it. I mean, the 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 two we had in was it oh eight and oh nine, despite being incredibly wet, were. Mm-hmm awesome events weren't they i mean yeah. you know everyone remembers them and they talked about whenever you go to any irish rally these days so yeah, it'd be yeah. only fitting i think it would be i think it would be it would probably be better as well these days i think with the way the sport is now as well the, with the support categories because i think back then obviously all the locals were trying to win rally over all of their two liter cars which 
you know, back then the works cars were a different level to the customer cars, which with R5 is very, very hard to be the case. You know, there's not much you can do to make it a hell of a lot different to the customer cars. You know, essentially, they're the same. So it would be kind of a fair fight, you know, to go and, and try and race those guys. You know, you know, your guys like Mickelson and stuff would be would be really interesting to see how we go in Ireland. So obviously, I think those guys are fast everywhere they go. That's that's the difference. Mm-hmm. But you know, it would be nice to if we could get a stage on them. Even <laughs> to, you know, you 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 tell your grandparents about, or grandchildren about it in, in years years to come. You'd walk away happy with that, yeah, that stage yeah, win yeah. against those guys. But then you get greedy and you want more and more, I suppose. But um, it would be interesting because it's it's such a unique place to go rallying, and you know, it, it would be it'd be really good. I think you saw it back when the circuit came, to, you know, with ERC to Ireland, that a lot of the Europeans kind of struggled apart from maybe. I think Kaito and, and Luke, you know, who are guys that are very fast everywhere. But, you know, you look at the bulk of them and they were, you know, comfortably being beaten by the Moffats and, and so on. Yeah, I think I think there is there is still, you know, despite how much is talked about, and it is very much talked about, mm-hmm. that there is that people maybe don't quite believe it until they get here and then they're, they're still oh, yeah. taken unprepared for it. Yeah. And, you know, the, it's just... Just how three-dimensional it is, you know. The I think Globe said when he came to Drawley Island the first time. I think that uh, how how hard it was to note the roads because they're so cresty and narrow, and there's so much going on, you know, with, with surface changes and stuff. And um, I think we take it kind of it is it's what we know, so it's kind of almost natural in a way now. But you know, for guys, I remember when I did <clears throat> Rally Antibes in in southern France, which is basically Monte Carlo stages. Um, I was really kind of nervous about the, the recce because the stages are so busy with so many corners and I always thought kind of, you know, this is going to be hard. But in terms of actually noting, it was it was pretty easy compared to, to home because it's just, it was corner into corner. There were no crests as such. There were no corners on crests. There was, the surface was the same for 20 kilometers. There was no surprises in that way, you know? So I mean, that you only need to go to, you know, the south of France you know, in a road car to realise that it's night and day. It's completely uniform yeah. and, and the quality, you know, from an objective point of view, the tarmac is a lot better, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and the grip was incredible for the whole stage. And, you know, the but but in terms of actually noting it, was it, it, it was a lot easier than I than I anticipated, really, for those roads because it was the surface, I like, it was, the road was good. You know, you could, it was just corner into corner into corner. Okay, it was really busy and you had a lot of notes for, for the mileage you were doing. But compared to what you have at home, it, it wasn't it wasn't as, as tricky then. There wasn't things that, you know, you could possibly, as many things you could miss, you know. Mm-hmm. Less detailed almost in the notes, but just because there wasn't actually any detail to put in. It was uh, like as a, it a lot of info, but, you know, just basic info I found. Yeah. It was more about noting your lines and stuff rather than, in Ireland, you have, you know, have to describe pretty much everything, you know, because you know corners on crests and where the surface changes and everything like that. It adds so many more dimensions to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you just have a very busy road with a lot of corners, it's it's different and probably it's just a bit easier because you drive slowly and and just sort of keep a consistent pace and you can you can note it all. But it's um it was I think. In Ireland, or even you know, some roads in Wales and stuff, they're, they're very, very difficult to, to make notes for. Does that does that almost wrap us up, guys? Are we, or where are we at? 
Take I think so. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, looking, at, we've already gone looking ahead to, to the following the rest of the, the rest of the championship. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a wave if you're on the ditch. <laughs> well, indeed, indeed. And uh, it, 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 I'm, t- I'm tied up with seats for for Killarney and West Cork. But if, if Mr. Jackson is is unavailable or something, there's a there's a local co driver here that's more than happy to st- sit in an R5 care. No problem. I'll give you a shout. Just drop me a number and I'll give you a shout. <laughs> no problem. I think, I think you'll need um, you'll need a good pry to get him out that seat. <laughs> I'd say so. I'd say so. <laughs> yeah, he's been stuck in it for eight years and he, he won't he won't get out. So um, I'd rather you try and get him out than me. <laughs> <laughs> th- thanks very thanks very much for coming on, man. It's been great chatting to you. And uh, so we, we'll we'll see you. We'll see you in the service park at West Cork, no doubt. And uh, best yeah, of luck. It's been super. Thank, Thank you very much. Cheers, thanks for your time. Thank you. So that brings us to a close for episode two of Rally DNA. Be sure to subscribe to us on whatever your preferred podcast platform is. Keep an eye on our Facebook page for updates and stay tuned for some more exciting guests along the way. Thanks for listening.